Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online Masters of Social Work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. Listen to the show. Thank you wherever you're listening from across the world wide web, whether that's on the Fringe FM, the Fringe FM app, tune in, talk stream live, the paranormal radio app, or anywhere else. We love you. The call in number for tonight's 1 800 0335. And uh, we got a pretty special guest coming on tonight. Mark Steves is here with us, uh, an audio producer. He works in the audio field. He's also a personal friend of mine. And uh, yeah, well, look, I'll just introduce you here he's a cool dude he's got a, a podcast called my family thinks i'm crazy which if you think about it in the name of all that you believe in does your family think you're crazy i know mine does anyways if you want to go to lottingthevoid.com to support this show become a deep void walker get access to all the archives over 730 episodes commercial free plus access to the magic audios which were i'm moving it all to the website i'm getting away from patreon they censor people so it's all going to go to the website. Patreon is now, now like they're censoring more people. I don't understand it. 
that's all this whole sensor bullshit. But anyways, it's happening. So everybody get ready to make the switch to the membership site. And if you haven't signed up, uh, do so. And if you want to donate, you can go to friends.fm forward slash donations. And that'll get a donation out to the radio station as well as uh, uh, the show, too. So it kind of, since we run both here, it kind of supports both. All right. All right. So, um, yeah, don't forget about the event that we're having. Contact at the Cabin, the magical event with America. We'll be there. Well, I'll be there with Owen Hunt and Brandon Powell. And the Grand America crew, February 10th through the 13th. If you hadn't got a ticket, get one. They're selling out right now. So um, make sure you go check that out, too. The website for our guest tonight is myfamilythinksimcrazy.com. And uh, here's the thing. Mark Steves is here with us. And does your family think you're crazy? So does his. So on his podcast, his name is Mark Palmer Steves. And with his friends, he discusses out-of-the-box concepts with people who take the road less traveled. Bizarre events, conspiracy, mystery, intrigue, spiritual, paranormal, supernatural, all that stuff. Pretty much the same thing we talk about on this show. It's good to have you, Mark. Thanks for coming on, brother. Dude, this yeah. is uh, a long time coming, and I appreciate it. This is going to be fun. I could already tell you're a pro. My mom was excited when I said I was going to be on radio, so I'm, I'm excited, too. And uh, yeah. yeah, man. Wow. It's an honor to be here. And yeah, My Family Thinks I'm Crazy is the show that I've created over the past almost a year now. It'll be a year in uh, October this next month. So I'm excited for our first year anniversary. We just had Graham Dunlop on the show, who you're going to be nice. with down there at the uh, the CAC, the contact at the Canyon, I think it is, yeah. right? Everybody show up to the CAC. Right That's on. Yeah. yeah, like it's gonna be fun for sure. Yeah, and Where we talked. Going, dude, you better go, man. What's up? <laughs> like you need to go. What what day is that again? Remind it's me. February the tenth through the thirteenth. Well, I'll put you on the spot right now. I have no reason yeah. not to go with that much time to uh, to plan it. So we'll see. We'll get you in there. We'll squeeze. If all, even if all the tickets sell out, which they might, because they they sell out these things every single time. Apparently. These hangouts are like the coolest things you can go to, which is cool, right? Because that's what we all do. We all end up going to these big conferences and stuff, and nobody really gets to connect. And America, they're like trendsetters, man. They set trends, you know, and they, they're like, well, we'll just do events and have small get-togethers, and they've been killing it with that stuff. So Yeah, value cool. for value. They've been doing a lot of stuff. The audio books, I mean, everything they do is uh is unique they got their own thing going on over there i was just uh talking to david matheson who was at the last contact at the canyon he was on my show the uh synchro mystic exploration of the ever expanding yeah, now cool. yeah he's a really nice guy that's uh, i think that's just like the theme with the whole group of people who've been on the grand america show at, at least in my experience yeah well i think uh we talk about a lot of the same stuff it's a pretty cool time as we move into uh, autumn. You know, last night was the harvest moon. Now we're, move, we're still in the harvest moon. We're moving into the equinox. Tomorrow night, Jeff Harmon's going to be on the program, astrologer and spiritual cleanser, and uh, talk a little bit about that stuff during the equinox, right? But this is a good time to uh, do some cleansing, right? Get rid of all the bad juju. I, I like uh, lit like 10 black candles in here just to suck up all the negative energy. Mm. And then you go around and light a white one. And then you say, Goonie Goo Goo, and it all goes away, you know? Mm. 
That's all. That's all magic is. You just, you don't even have to do anything. You just say "gooney goo goo" and it's done. You know. Is that your own catchphrase, or is that from some no. ancient voodoo cult? <laughs> no, that's what Matty Murphy made up back in the eighties. But uh-huh. I still was thinking, you know, of something ridiculous. But so I want to talk about the topics of tonight because I, I feel like your show kind of represents something that I'm all about, and it's staying true to yourself, right? When you stay true to yourself. It doesn't matter how weird, how strange, how complex, how stupid other people may think you are, whatever, whatever, right? You have to stay true to yourself and go on your own journey. I think, honestly, comparison is the law of the comparison. If you compare yourself to anybody or anything, you're going to cause massive suffering in your life, man. Like, that's, I've just... I'm not saying that that's like an ultimate teaching, but it definitely is a fundamental thing, right? Jesus, dude, you're a tall some bitch. Anybody ever tell you that? Well, tall, how can you man. tell just from my arm reaching just out? From like, yeah, just from your <laughs> arm reaching out. Like, I'm Jesus, man. It used to wrestle, huh? I'm 6'8", yeah, for those at home. You're, you're a nightmare for guys like me. Uh-oh. So... Yeah, even in jujitsu, like I could take on, dude. I could in jujitsu. I swear, I could grapple. I grappled with this guy that won a strongman contest and tapped him out, right? Okay. But we had a dude that was his name was uh, what was his name? He lived down the road from me. Anyways, he was tall, lanky dude, right? Mm. He, dude, like we went at it so much. I was like his nightmare, and he was like my nightmare. Yeah. You know, and yeah. it was a, uh, it was a. Uh, pretty good match when we grappled all the time so yeah why do you think they why do you think they eradicated all those uh nephilim and giants from all the different continents it could you guys couldn't mess with us <laughs> yeah i mean tall lanky tall big tall lanky people make the best grapplers the best wrestlers and the best uh, jujitsu guys for sure every time you know and they do a lot of stuff uh naturally so well, I will say, you know, my martial arts training, I focused on the moves that took that advantage, you know, like I would go for a lot of kicks. I love doing kicks. And then when it comes to groundwork, you know, leg locks, leg, anytime you can get the hooks in with your legs, you get a, you know, for lanky people out there who, who wrestle and do jujitsu, which is a small audience, um, yeah. yeah, you got an advantage there for sure. But yeah, man, honestly, when it comes to all the, the stuff fringe, everything in that realm, martial arts really was, uh, I think, crucial to being able to get as far as I've gone in understanding a lot of these concepts because it, it teaches you a certain amount of discipline to stick with something. And, you know, some of these books, as you can find some that are behind me, it take a lot of... Uh, you know, patience to get through, especially some of the older books, you know, written in a certain context that might not be obvious or, or written with a certain style that's not around anymore. And so, yeah, yeah. getting into all these topics, you know, I think, and that's something I've noticed just, you know, talking to all these different people, uh, booking for Sam Tripoli's podcast, you know, there's a lot of martial artists or people who have at least done some form of martial arts who also happen to uh, be into these topics or, or just conspiracies in general. Yeah. Sam's a trip, man. What he, I remember when I got on this show, thanks to you, I was talking and, and, uh, 
we were talking about astral travel and he kept calling it ash i want to try out this astro travel man <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna get into this i need to see if he actually tried it though you know back in february i know he went to the uh float lab so i don't know if you've ever done the sensory deprivation tanks but oh, he it. has experienced yeah, that have and but not like the ones they have no mm. so yeah, so that the, you're talking about Float Lab that crash runs other than California or whatever? No, well, it might be a franchise now, but he was in New Jersey when this happened, so it might be like another, because I'm sure there's other uh, companies that do the same thing. But yeah, it was essentially like that, if not that company. Yeah, so have you had an out-of-body experience, Mark? Well, yeah, in this house that I'm in right now, I have... Like, uh, just kind of laying on the floor one day, really relaxed. I felt myself going up towards the ceiling. And as soon as I <laughs> saw what was happening, I had that moment of awareness that just snapped me right back into my body. And since then, no, other than like some strange whiteouts, I'll call them because they weren't quite blackouts. No, I've never had an out-of-body experience. Definitely memorable dreams, though. That's a big part of uh, my life recently, like some strange dreams that uh, that seem to foretell, not foretell things, but like hint at things that then happen. Like, for example, somebody who I've gotten to know really well recently is Michael Wan from the Susquehanna Alchemy yeah, podcast. Awesome. Yeah, and it, now it's a podcast, it's also a YouTube channel and, and a book that he's put out called The Rights of the 40th Parallel. And um, yeah, getting to know him has been really interesting. And one day I stayed at his house and a week before that I had a dream of like a black snake with a red belly. And I wake up that morning after staying at his place, you know, traveling through PA, it's kind of far from where I live. And um, he's like, oh, I got a, a podcast, you know, why don't you go for a hike down to the river? So I go for a walk down the river, and sure enough, I see that same snake that I saw in my dreams. So I've had a couple of little things like that where, you know, something seems to be going on. Haven't quite gotten a full grasp of it, though. I think the more, you know, I've done acid, I've done mushrooms, but I, I just, the, they were never out of body. And I think that had something to do with like circumstance but definitely i've had mystical experiences but no not not out of body well i'm digging your website i, I see a section on your website that says uh favorite podcast i've been on i have no idea why i'm not on wait you're just now on this podcast right but i see an episode you did uh called the black magic legacy of alistair crowley so yeah. i can tell you like you you you're you might be one of those closet Crowley fans who really <laughs> understands Crowley but doesn't want to explain yourself to everybody not fully but you will stick up for him every now and then right well I definitely stuck my neck out uh, for in a way on that interview that you're referring to and Sam to bring him back up he he definitely is someone who's in the like Crowley sucks nothing good comes from him camp and that's fair. I think that's a fair perspective in light of everything that happened in the past two years with the Epstein stuff and, and realizing that he might have been an influence in that whole realm in some shape or form. But, yeah, I'll say, you know, I have down here. You got all those books, huh? You got the book four? Yeah, this one. And, you know, it's really, it's a strange, it's a strange story because, 
when I bought it, it was probably the most expensive book I'd ever bought online at that point in my life. So I was mm-hmm. like just a little nervous as you might be when it's coming in the mail. Like, is this going to be a scam? Like what's going on with this? I, I can't. So there's a lot of anticipation. So I was so excited to read it that I took it to work with me and I was working at a cafe and you know, I'm just working, serving coffees, no big deal. This is a stupid job, one of the many jobs I had at this point in my life that I was doing every week. And this guy walks in, didn't look completely homeless, but there's something strange about him, like he hadn't showered in a while or something. So I got like a homeless vibe from him. And and in that town, New Haven, there's a lot of homeless people, so it would make sense. So he doesn't sit down and order something. He sits down and, you know, just pulls out, what looks like a Bible and turned out it was. And he pulls out these two like electric candles, you know, the type with a little switch underneath and you kind of turn them on. So he has these little candles. He has a a Bible and he's like writing, scribbling in between the lines in this Bible. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, I brought this book to work with me today of all days, like just randomly, you know, and this happens, you know, and at first I didn't really make the connection, but then, you know, I go <laughs> and assert myself like, hey, man, what's going on? Do you need uh, anything? Because you got to order something if you want to sit at this table. You know, homeless people would do that a lot, come in, just try to waste time inside. And um, and he was like, yeah, I'm going to order a coffee. Give me a minute. So I'm like, okay, all right, chill out. I'm just asking. <laughs> so I go back to the, the counter and I wait for him to come over. He comes over all mad and he's like, do you know who I am? He's like, I'm the son of Charles Manson and the grandson of Aleister Crowley. And he's like going on this whole schizophrenic. Yeah. Does he really believe that? He really believes it. He's that. Yeah, he's going on this whole schizophrenic rant, you know, like about. But the just the fact that he mentioned, <laughs> you know, Aleister Crowley, I'm like, what? You know, like, how does this happen the day that I bring this crazy, huge book Dude, into this listen, cafe? Man, it's part of it. Right. It's part of it, bro. Right, and like it felt like a warning. Loop now, <laughs> I can't do nothing about it. It felt like a warning, honestly. And I've always, I think, I proceeded with caution from there. And you know, I found other books of Crowley's that I would never pay for or own, and I just left them where they were at the bookstore because there's some dark stuff that he gets into that I'm not like. Yeah. I don't think I need that in my life. Not that I'm not interested in understanding it. I think that's a big reason why. No, I no. talked I mean, about it in the, the first place. Did, like, like, dude, some some of the stuff that he did, he talks about is profoundly diabolical. Mm. I'm not, and I'm just saying, in my opinion, you right. know, uh, anytime and anytime you're cursing people, like that's bad to me. Yeah, I, I think you can. So, and this is like what I'm doing. My next lesson on it with the members is about energy, because that's basically what this is all about, right? You can read Franz Barden's book at, and you really start to understand this is all about the psyche and the energy. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, you can protect your energy. You can uh, do things like mirrors or just circle protections and stuff like that. And it doesn't hurt anybody. It's still like love kind of magic, you know, mm-hmm. but the, the second you start like getting into magic battles or trying to hurt people. And in my opinion, some people don't agree with me on this, but I do specifically like casting spells to 
get with people or have people get with you or break up other people. Just anytime you try to screw with somebody's will other than your own and your connection to the universe, I think, I think you're doing it bad. I don't, the karma of it never turns, it never turns out good. Never. Well, I, you know, it reminds me of something that I read that's always stuck with me. It's like the magic rule of three, you know, everything you put out comes back to you times three. So if you put out curses, you're going to come, that's going to come back to you times three. If you put out goodness and and good hearted spells or however you want to raise your energy and put that back out in the universe, if it's for good reasons, even if it's just like your own, which I think honestly isn't very productive. I think like the real secret is like the universe helps those who help others. You know, I think that's pretty obvious. And a lot of these, you know, these humanitarians, they just front like they're helping others in order to maintain their one percenter status, you know, put themselves out there. But, you know, in in a real, like, common sense kind of way, you can see if you live your life that way, if you smile at people, people smile back more at you. You know, if you keep your head up high and look people in the eye and say hi to them, you get into more positive interactions than you would if you walked around with your, you know, looking at your shoes and bumping into people, you know. And and I think that's kind of... uh, you know, being on the East Coast, that might not always be the case in a place like New York City or, or Boston. You know, people are kind of rough, but in most places, I think that's like kind of yeah. You know, maybe it's cheesy, cliche, law of attraction stuff, but it, it is true. Yeah, Chance has got a picture. I think it's the coolest uh, graphic I've ever seen. But he put up. He's got this graphic of this uh, witch girl in like a garters and sexy outfit. Outfit, and he says, "My hot witch wife." And it shows this dude laying in the middle of a pentagram circle and it says, uh, me doing whatever the hell she wants. <laughs> Uh-oh. Well, on, well, I was going to get to that. The best kind of magic, I think, is co-creative, right? right. So, like, if you're uh, in a love partnership with somebody, man, you're not going to get more powerful than that. I promise you. Mm. It, there's nothing... Uh, that you can get more powerful than that. And see, this is what Crowley, I, be- I believe, he tried to tap into with all this concubines and all this other stuff. But his true heart, he walked away from. He walked away from his true heart while he was doing magic, and then that part of his life fell apart. So mm. it's a little bit like you got to, people just dive into this stuff. And I always tell them, like, man, I'm one of the most impulsive, probably fast, passionate, moving cardinal type dudes there is, right? Mm. But with magic, I believe, especially if you're going down a ceremonial path in an alchemical way, I believe you better step slowly and step right, you know. Slow and steady wins the race, man. And those, you know, those myths and legends and little folk tales, those were written by dudes who were initiated into this type of stuff. You know, even like, you know, C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. I was just listening to a mysterious universe episode today. They're talking about how Tolkien, have you ever heard this about Tolkien, how he was basing a lot of his stuff that he was writing in the Lords of the Rings off of old books that he was finding in the basement at Oxford in like Scandinavian and Finnish. And you know, that's so interesting considering, and I don't know if they made this connection on mysterious universe. I'm not a member of their plus thing. So maybe they got into it then, but, uh, 
the Bach saga. Have you heard of the Bach saga before? And this whole story of Eeyore Bach and this guy, Jim Chesner, happened to get the... So for those who don't know, the Bach saga saga is allegedly this um, true origin story of humankind passed down from father to son. And Eeyore Bach, a man named Eeyore Bach, was the... um, was the last inheritance of this oral tradition. And, and he passed it on to someone who wasn't in his family. Cause you know, I guess he didn't have a son or whatever who it was. You, who told you this again? Or did you find out about this? This was through Jim Chesner who was on the higher side chats, but I had a gentleman on my show uh, named Dan who, uh, who has a podcast called the rising from the ashes podcast. And he's a, he considers himself, you know, someone who researches box saga and knows a fair bit. Tell me the story. I didn't mean to stop you there. No, it's okay. It's fine. I think that's important, you know, cite your sources because I, you know, people should go and listen to it for themselves and hear it from Jim himself. But, you know, it's basically a story about the origins of humankind from a, this perspective of Finland and Helsinki and how, you know, things get inverted and the term hell actually was like the place where, you know, was kind of like an Atlantean type story, you know, and, and and it was lost, you know, from the, the Goths and the Romans and all these different groups that were in Europe, they basically hid this from us, but it remained up in, you know, the Northern parts of Europe. And there's so many little details and it's kind of like a syncretism type thing where they'll show you words that we still use today and how they were, you know, had a different meaning in ancient times. So it's a lot of uh, syncretistic type of linguistic stuff, but it's also, very interesting when you consider the Tolkien connection and, and how he might have been reading some of the same stuff. I mean, I might be the only one making that connection, but no, uh, no I don't I don't think you are, man. I think you're picking up on something intuitively mm. there. Because every uh, like uh, Becca Tarnas, have you ever talked to her? No. Ma- no. Massive Tolkien fan, probably one of the most amazing spiritual chicks you'll ever meet, right? But we talked about this when she was on the show. There is something that's magically intuitive about his stories. It's kind of like when you watch a movie or you read a story and it starts real. You don't know why you're so drawn to it. Well, why am I so drawn to it? Why is it igniting this nostalgia in me? Why is it making me feel this way? Because there, any, it's just like that movie, The Fifth Element. Anytime there are basic, like natural alchemical principles and like really deep stuff that's connected to a deeper historical truth in any way your soul will start to feel that stuff that's why art is so awesome and creativity is so awesome because it speaks that way right. i believe that anyway. no i i'm with you 100 percent. and for those who might not be as uh you know intuitive or in the metaphysical side of things here's like a little historical connection so everybody who's familiar with lord of the rings knows the bad guy is sauron right well in uh ancient mesopotamia i think it was or somewhere between mesopotamia and rome's time there was a guy by the name of sargon who was the inventor of time in a way like he invented the first what we would call a clock and it's interesting you know in that linguistic way words kind of change as they pass on to different languages and then languages evolve but 
you know, you see that connection and then you connect that to the Saturnian mythos, which is very much about time, chronos, chronology. I mean, the word that we use, chronicle, these are all terms that, you know, have a a meaning. They rhyme in that esoteric way. And when you're, like you said, in touch with your higher self or in touch with your soul, your soul sort of uh, rings like a bell when you you see it on a page or you hear someone right. say it and these things stick with you. And that was kind of the case for me and, and Crowley and, and like his work kind of came to me in certain ways in my life. And then like uh, speaking all about it on that episode of Tinfall Hat kind of like got it off my chest in a way because I was able to like share what I felt about him, and then, like, move on, you know? I was going to go down that road, because I remember talking to you before I talked to Sam, and I was like, hmm, should I go down that road with him or not? Because I agree with him. Like, I don't think, uh, I don't like Aleister Crowley, okay? But that doesn't mean you're going to throw the baby out of the bathwater. There's some terrible stuff in there. But most, and he considered himself a prophet, right? But if you think about all the people that considered themselves prophets, even biblical, they were all assholes. <laughs> all of them. There's not one prophet that wasn't an asshole. And I mean, in the worst way, some of them were murderers. Some of them were like uh, conquerors. We're talking about Genghis Khan type people. Some of them were just diabolically screwed up. that like to do bad things. Some of them like to sleep with tons of women, probably started this whole STD thing we got on the planet, but they were all prophets. Mm. There was always some kind of conversion that they did in their life and then ended up prophetizing all this stuff. And you'll hear, I'll laugh every time I hear people speak prophetic verses out of the Bible, not I'm talking about prophets. Okay. That they considered themselves prophets and had no idea how big of assholes these guys were for the most part, you know? So, yeah. Well, I I guess my point is, is there's a lot of good information comes out the mouths of a lot of assholes, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the reverse is also true. I mean, someone who I was just sure. speaking to on my show, uh, William Ramsey, he is an investigator and he likes to investigate cults and different things. And that was something that came up on um, on his show. I think it was uh, Keith Raniere. He was interviewing a guy who had been in a lawsuit with Keith Raniere for like, couple years like multiple years he had gone through this lawsuit with Keith Raniere and it was interesting to hear like the psychological traits of someone like that they're very you know it's psychopathic you know you see you hear that statistic about like the you know high achieving people can be also psycho you know psychopathic yeah and then you know the same is probably true for these folks who use spiritual knowledge to you know take advantage of people I don't want to you know out this person but I just went with my girlfriend to a sort of channeler who does like a on on a stage type of thing and people come up and they ask her questions and i gotta say a lot of people just went up there and tried to jerk her off you know they were just so excited to be in her presence and that like turned us off me and my girlfriend we kind of had a very sober look at it and weren't really tuned in the way genuine no it 
it felt, yeah. dude, it felt like we were getting like our energy drained, you know, and a lot of people yeah, yeah. there were like devotees in a way, like they were there because she was so great and she was going to solve all their problems, you know, and I feel like right. that's the type of energy that a psychopath could easily play off if they read a couple of spiritual books, you know, I mean, it's not that hard to let this stuff kind of seep into your unconscious. You just got to read and start getting into it. And, and it's like Crowley, you know, like you mentioned. I thought you made an excellent point on Crowley. I don't know if it was on the show or if, if it was just when you and I were talking on the phone, but you said, you know, Crowley, he let his will be a, uh, the higher force rather than love. And like when you get That's into right. this stuff, love needs to be the higher power always and needs to be on the top of the hierarchy. Because like what I was saying, you know, you need to give to other people. You need to give back. And I think loving others is really the foundation of becoming initiated or becoming ascended or, or getting in touch with your higher self. You know, you have to have love for the rest of the world because we're so connected to it. That's how you get in touch with that energy. And you know, when you, when you feel drained too, because after a while <clears throat> it gets tricky, right? Because after a while you, and I know you and I've talked about this too. You could send all the love in the world to some, to a person, to God, everybody, right? But what happens at the end of the day if you feel drained? You see? Mm. It, to me, is it's... I, I think people have good intentions sometimes, right? Or they have intentions of, I guess, love and things like that. But at the end of the day, man, if you... I don't, I don't know. If you don't feel charged or energized, I don't think it's that good, honestly. You know? So imagine all the damage that Crowley did not just to himself, but to others, right? And in my opinion, taught a lot about this, uh, the sexual magic stuff all ass backwards. That's just my opinion, though. Well, I think, you know, his life and the results of, you know, what he did is pretty evident. I mean, he ended up, maybe this was just characteristic of his time, but he ended up being, you know, addicted to heroin and and, you know, that opium book, the diaries of a drug fiend, that's like his best selling book, you know? So if he's, if he's such a great magician, why is the best selling book of his like the one uh, where he talks about, you know, his opium issues? It's because uh -huh. like, look at the world we're in right now. And he, I think he was a victim of that in some ways. And, and it was definitely a result of him feeding those negative urges and going into that dark side as a sort of uh, career choice in a way when you're a ceremonial magician that's very it's megalomania yeah is what it is, right? yeah you start seeing that magic works and you start seeing the power of it and how you can affect your world and you know what other people's worlds too right and then mm. you once you get that kind of power in your life you say well i can pretty much do or say what i want i can screw with the public make them think i'm the beast sleep with anybody i want to whatever as long as I know how to contain my energy, I can do. And then the, the covert narcissism is even worse with his ego and stuff, right? So if you hurt Aleister Crowley, and this is something that really freaked me out about this dude, and any peep, anybody that has these traits freaks me out. So say I'm vulnerable to you. This is called covert narcissism of megalomaniacs, right? And I say, look, man, you know what scares me the most is when somebody does this or that, and it really hurts me right? It really hurts me, like, at the, on the deepest, most vulnerable level. 
and then I end up hurting your feelings one day. Well, you covertly go do that thing that hurts me the most so you can feel the power of it. That's, it doesn't sound that evil, right? I mean, but that is truly the evilest thing that happens on the planet. Well, and, and take someone's most vulnerable part of themselves and you just smash the shit out of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, abs- I mean, and look at Scientology, not to throw them under the bus, but L. Ron Hubbard was someone who was yeah. in touch with Aleister Crowley. And when you try to, you know, when you get in touch with the Scientologist, what do they do? They ask you about your life and then they test your, you know, response, your, your, I forget the proper term, your physio. constant test. Your physio. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're testing you and they're getting that information. They're getting what your weak points are, your psychological pitfalls that they can then take advantage of and and have a more you know whole control over you as a person and that's why you see all those celebrities get involved with that because they you know those people for the most part live pretty rocky lives doing that type of work and especially considering how many of them have the family connections to even get into that spot in the first place Crowley's no different and he sure like to roll in those circles too I mean that was a big part of uh you know, the whole Hollywood influence was Crowley's magic. I mean, that movie Lucifer Rising, and now we have, like, all these Satanists, apparently, in Hollywood. And, you know, I I don't want to say that that stuff's not true because I don't know, but I definitely think it's that it could be. true, bro. Yeah, like, yeah. It, I mean, if you study this stuff, like, deeply and you listen to what people like, well, you can st- listen at Anton LaVey all day long. But Mark Passio has been putting out stuff for years, man. Like, if you don't know who Passio is, people are like, oh, you heard of Mark Passio? Yeah, dude, I listened to him like 12 years ago, right? So this dude's been around pushing this message passionately for years. And these people do do this stuff. They do do this stuff, and they don't even have to hide it. I mean, there's a lot of shows out there, well, they're hiding this, and they don't hide it. They do it out in the open. Right. They do it out in the open. They don't have to hide this stuff. And, I mean, that's the kind of beauty of, uh, ma- ma- I would say, magic as a whole. If you understand it and you're well-versed in it, you can do it out in the open. You don't have to hide it. You can claim it, whatever, and it's still going to work on the people that live in fear and weakness. That's what it preys upon, man. Your vulnerability is your fear and your weakness. Yeah. Yeah. And what you want. I am what you need. What What else is it? um you don't, you're not enough. This isn't enough. You need this. Now you need this. You got that. Now you need this. Right. Mm. And the music is constantly just music. Hollywood movies is fading the symbolism into you blatantly. But then there's other movies, in my opinion, like the fifth element, uh, I can go on. There's probably 10. I know at the top of my head where the people that wrote these movies, it's almost like there's a spiritual war going on. They're putting out another message, right? They're like, no, 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 this is, let me show you how powerful love is. And I even seen this on, um, what was it, uh, YouTube today. I was watching a YouTube video, and this, <clears throat> this, it was really crazy about covert narcissism. It kind of made my stomach turn, right, thinking about it a little bit. But then there was these comments below the video, and you could see the fear in people. They're like, fear is the biggest power. Fear has more, it's way more powerful than love and blah, blah. No, it's not. It's faster, more intense, and more uh, life-crushing, but it's not more powerful, Mm. for sure. 
Yeah, and look what they, you know, look what they push on people. Horror movies, action movies, violence, and all of it, you know. Even comedy movies have plenty of violence, you know. And it's like, yeah, they're clearly creating an energy with that. And, yeah, man, I mean, I can get into some of the the stuff I've learned recently, you know, in light of that uh, experience I had. At that channeling event, you know, they were channeling a, uh, you know, being from the Arcturians. Or so. Where the hell did y'all go, man? Where did you go? <laughs> Long Island, New York. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about this person. They're, you know, they. I mean, like, you don't want to get your girl mad at you or anything, too. Well, no, we, we're in sync on this for sure. But she, uh, yeah, cool. you know, we, we definitely, you know, have our opinion about her, but we respect her. You know, she's into spiritual spiritual ideas and if that's how she makes a business by getting people in with that and then kind of playing this like it felt like a stage show like you know like a magician was yeah, up it there feel good to you, did it? yeah and yeah. it was and it had that other level and i'm like well who are the arcturians what are they all about and like what you know how does that affect us and the the biggest hypocritical thing about the whole thing is she's like she was somewhat anti-mask, you know, vaguely anti-mask, anti-jab, you know. But then she's selling, she's selling masks with her artwork on it. It's like you're selling merch with a. It's like, come on, what what is this? So, yeah, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, I but people will figure it out. On it. it lasted about a week, though. You know. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because I felt like, why not? I, but I wanted to put something on the mask. It was funny. And I swear the first time I thought about it too, I was like, why don't we just like put like see-through panties and just sell them as masks, right? <laughs> it's basically the same thing. Yeah. You know? Well, I, I understand why. And, or whatever, some see-through underwear. And, like, yeah. Sell them as masks. No, I, un- I understand why like, you know, the America show guys that, you know, they sold some masks that said like, this is bullshit. And like, there was a lot yeah, of people yeah. in a country like Canada and Australia where, you know, they had to wear it. So yeah, give them one that says, this is bullshit. That's awesome. I, I had to wear a mask when I went to a grocery store. So I'm not trying to pretend like I didn't have to go through it, but I just felt like, you know, it's summertime it, people, nobody in the theater barely was wearing them. So I'm like, why are they selling them? But yeah, enough about this lady. I think People are probably like feel like we're cucking them a little bit on the whole Tolkien box saga thing. We kind of switched oh, yeah, gears real get, quick. Well, the point is, is the reason why I like your show and and what you're talking about is too. Before we go back to Tolkien, is that um, it's really important that you stay true to yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, we can slide off of who we are and be pulled off of who we are in all different directions, but I think that happens for a reason. I think it happens to strengthen who you are, not to weaken who you are. I think things happen for you, not against you, right? So um, uh, the title of your podcast makes me want to listen to it because whose family doesn't think they're crazy? And how many people out there are scared to be themselves, even as adults? It baffles me how many 40-year-old adults let their parents influence them. I'm not playing. Like, and I don't know I sound judgy, but I don't care. You're 40 years old, right? And you're still afraid to be yourself around your parents. Your parents could say whatever they want, but they're just trying to validate their shit. That's all they're doing. And the second you don't care anymore, the second they may give you a few weeks of kickback, but then they're going to be like, all right, well, my kid's an adult. 
I don't even, dude, I don't even do it to my kid that much. So I think there needs to be more of the same message of what you're doing. Like, let's talk about whatever. This is what I believe. Hell, I'll change my beliefs. I'm a person, but I'm just going to be me, right? And mm. my family still thinks I'm crazy and I don't give a shit. Yeah. Right? Well, so, you know, for me, it was like 10 years ago, you know, I started smoking pot. That was probably the first indication <laughs> that I was a little different. But I'd always been a reader, and I would even like, because my, my relatives live pretty far away. So every holiday, we'd go for a long drive, and I would bring books and read, you know, and read on the way there. And I, the the books I would bring to my aunt's house, you know, like I could see one of them right now, the Jade Emperor's Mind Seal Classic, you know, like all about Chinese alchemy. And like then I probably brought like uh, Secret Teachings of All Ages by Manly P. Hall and then like Secret Teachings for Beginners, you know, and like all <laughs> kinds of these. These are the books I was reading when I was 17, 16. So my family's always thought I was crazy. But the, the, I appreciate you saying that because you're absolutely right. You know, I think as soon as I owned it, something shifted in my life. Because before that, it was it was what it was, and, and I kind of owned it in a way. But for the most part, a lot of my friends were still kind of like, yeah, dude, I, I don't see what you're talking about there. I don't see why you're, you're listening to all this stuff, reading all these books, you know. And uh, that was disheartening, you know. So, and, and when I put it out on a podcast, I noticed like that change, like people were starting to be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I'll, yeah. I'll give it a listen. Like, I'll check this out. It seems like you're doing big stuff. And then what really changed it, you know, cause I didn't have the podcast until after I started working for Sam and I had a, I had a YouTube kind of show and Sam was like, well, what, you know, what are you doing, buddy? Like, you got to have your own podcast. Come on now, you know, kind of encouraging me. Right, yeah, and, right. uh, and I was like, well, hmm, yeah, you're right. I do have this show. And I remember like the first time I was on his show, he, it was like his premium content show. And he was like, what's the name of your podcast? And I explained it to him and he's like, listen, if you have to explain the name of your podcast, it's not a good name for a show. And I'm like, fuck, you're right. So one day I have to do that all the time. So (laughs) I'm not changing the name of my show. Well, that was Sam's opinion. And I took it to heart because, you know, how many people, you know, meet your heroes. And, uh, and I, so I took it to heart and I remember like, the week I found out that Sam needed me to work for him and that I, it was a real thing. It wasn't just like some Hollywood guy jerking me around. I, uh, I told my family about it, like my aunts and cousins and stuff like that. Not just like my mom and dad. I'm like, Oh, this guy, you know, this Sam Tripoli for you, right? Yeah. I was so happy, you know, and they were all just kind of like, who the hell's Sam Tripoli? Like they, they had not, they're not into comedy, so like they're not gonna know like a comedian. Even though Sam, I mean, he's a very well known comedian in in the respect of uh, other comedians, especially. But you know, it's good to be know. proud of, man. You know why? Because when you when you grew up, there's all this thing about. It's kind of like the you can tell that the children in school that don't get a lot of love or attention in their homes or bad attention, right? Because the first time you have to read, and some people are shy. I, I get that. We all have a certain amount of shyness, but there is a fear you have to get over, right? And the first time they say, Joe, you know, or Mark, can you stand up in front of the class and read your homework? You're like, oh, no, you know, and you get that gut feeling, right? But after a while, 
you you can tell the mama's boys that have the mom that's like, oh, you're so wonderful, you're so special. Dude, they run straight up to the front of the room every time, right? You, you see what I mean? So the people that don't get the right kind of love and attention as kids, they grow up and they don't feel validated ever, and then, then they don't feel good enough and shy, and it's like a bad combination, mm. right? It's yeah. Oh, dude. On you and says, hey, stand up here. Uh, it's your turn to get attention, and their stomach turns, right? That's that's trauma. Yeah. It's not good for a kid. They should be like, yeah, it's my turn, you know? You're describing so you, me. Yeah. You, you know, Sam is like your hero. would be awesome if your family was like, that's so freaking cool, right? But they're not doing that because they don't understand you. Well, so, and, yeah, and I think I think they understand me, but I think that, no, that sure. in a way they're just like, you know, why are you interested in all these things? Like you seem smarter than this. Cause to them, like these subjects and interests, they don't seem fruitful. They just seem like, you know, hobby think like philosophy, you know, or whatever it is. Like, they're like, you know, Oh, you should, you should be getting like a, you know, uh, some kind of job with a college degree, that kind of you bullshit. Yeah. That kind of bullshit, <laughs> dude, you know? And, and I was definitely that shy kid, especially like, you pointed out at the beginning being so tall it's like weird to be yeah. like that kind of odd one out because people kind of look up to you but they also want to kind of challenge you because they want to take out the big guy you know right. so that was yeah. why i got into martial arts and stuff and then i kind of got confident i had jobs you're where tall. i had to tall. Yeah. <laughs> well yeah yeah man i mean i got chopped down a couple times that's and that's why i got into martial arts but you know having jobs that pushed me past my, my social, uh, boundaries were huge for me. Like I had a job where I had to go door to door and canvas, you know, so I had to get really good at talking to people through that job. And then I had a job at the farmer's market where I'm talking to like a thousand people in a day. Oh, it seemed like, you know what I mean? And remembering people's names and, and keeping like a consistent, uh, customer relationship and basis going. So these are all skills that I think in a intuitive synchro mystic kind of way, you know, culminated into this opportunity that Sam gave me to have my mm -hmm. own show. And I had already been obsessed with podcasts and like your show and Grimerica show, the higher side chats, all these different podcasts I had listened to and, you know, delivering bread. I, I specifically picked that job. I'm like, I'm going to be a delivery guy. Cause then I could just listen to stuff listen and get paid, you know? And like, it was literally like, you know, getting paid to go to school instead of paying to go to school. And I think that was huge for me. And, uh, and then, so, you know, to, to explain all that to my family who I only see a couple times a year, you know, they don't, they don't get that. So when I told them, Oh, I'm going to work for this guy and he lives in California, they're kind of like scratching their head. Like what? How does that happen? Yeah. You're here. Yeah. So I, I kicked myself in the ass and I'm like, all right, that's the name of my show. My family thinks I'm crazy. It kind of just like hit me over the head that evening. Did you get a little, um, adrenaline rush when you realized it? Yeah. I, I, I was driving. I probably hit the gas a little harder and I was like, yeah, this is, this is, I'm rocking with this. Podcast name. I got my podcast <laughs> name. You were a little kid, didn't you? Yeah. Well, dude, now I love it. I mean, I have two other shows now, so I feel like I, I've been just yeah. naming all kinds of things. <laughs> I think it's a good thing to do for anybody. And I've, you know, you get all kind of, and we got to take a break here, but you get all, all kinds of, you understand that, and you're probably starting to experience this now yourself, 
But once you start doing it enough episodes, you start to inspire people, right? Mm. And people that really want to do this stuff deep down, they do. They will do. They will come at you in a positive way, or they'll come at you in a negative way. Well, you don't think I can do it? Or they'll be like, "Wow, how do you do that?" You know. But deep down, you can see that you know they want to do it. So, like, I really recommend like a podcast and I know Joe Rogan used to say this stuff all the time for anybody that's trying to break into the creative content realm one because you don't have to get on video you can always hide behind the microphone if you want you know and you can just post it and then if you keep doing it you're gonna find your tribe so I think anybody out there that's like hey where are my people like I want to find my people right do your show you'll find them right They'll come to you, synchromistically. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's why I started Alt Media United with the podcast cooperative, because people were hitting me up. And, and, you know, someone we both know, Alex, a skeptical podcast, he's someone that I was building with at that time, and we we created it together. And what I took Mm -hmm. with that opportunity was, like, let me make something that encourages people to do that and supports people to do that, because I've found so much value personally in it right on we should talk about that too after the break man for real cool. we're gonna get back on this token stuff and if you guys want to call in it's 1-800-588-0335 also join our discord chat more lighting the void coming up right on It's time to hotbox a cigarette. <laughs> All right, welcome back to Lighting the Void. Mark Steves from My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast is here with us. Uh, so we talked about a lot of Magic Crowley, Tolkien, be yourself kind of stuff. Pretty cool coming through the harvest moon, you know. Look, I'm going to tell you guys this, and I'll tell it to you over and over again. Love, tap into love right so you know we were talking about moon magic last night with anthony and i forgot to bring that up man right so like if uh, this is a hard subject to bring up because because it's touchy you know but um people want to understand how magic works if you want to understand how magic works if you have somebody in your life that you truly love right I'm not talking about attracted to, you got a crush on, whatever. I'm talking about love. Well, we'll get into that. But you can really use the moons, right, together. Because essentially the most powerful thing in the universe, in my opinion, not that it matters, but it does to me, is the co-creative force. Mm. All right? And if you're alone, all you have to do is make love to the universe. (laughs) You know what I mean? Find somewhere in nature. Find some trees. If you're a man, find a find a beach. If you're a woman, get around some masculine energy if you're alone, right? Go find a place that has that masculine feel to it, a little bit of fire. And then, you know, work the energy in yourself. I'm going to get, get into all that with the member stuff, but, oh, dude. No, you know, I, you'll go through You'll go through hell. Don't get me wrong, like, when you start transmutating this shit. But mm. at the end of it, it's going to be awesome for well, sure. 
I'll tell you what, you, you and I met before I got into this awesome relationship that I'm in and I can certainly say I love the person I'm with. So, but one thing that my girlfriend and I, uh, started since we've been together is this new kind of offshoot podcast that we're doing together called the synchro mystic exploration of the ever expanding now. And one of the first things that really inspired this was the 13 moon, 28 day calendar and getting away from this artificial calendar that was created and into the natural harmony you know and and yeah it's really amazing what's already taken place since we've kind of done this together but i wonder don't like are you gonna don't i'm gonna tell you something that i've learned all right i know you're gonna talk just talk about your podcast but the thing that you guys share together like seriously i'm telling you this for magical reasons all right not for it's weird don't talk about it but what i'm saying is it's like don't talk about it mm. keep it between you two because it'll be be way 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 more powerful that way right i promise you because it's just gonna be you and her energy right right and then i can't is y'all's podcast out yet well yeah we uh we put the synchro mystic exploration of the ever expanding now sorry that's a mouthful nice name, uh scene right. aka scene we put the okay. scene on my My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast RSS. So it's all in one place. But the the difference with scene is that if you want the whole episode, go over to the Patreon, you get the whole episode. So sort of like a members thing. Right now we're, we're working with the Patreon, but we only have a small group of people right now. And I'm thinking about making something that's in Dude. endogenous to the website so that we could get away from Patreon altogether. But that's a different conversation. I, I completely understand what I'm you're talking about. And, and I think, you know, one superstition that I'd always had is like, Oh, when I talk about relationships, the relationship always goes to shit. You know, like I think I even told you this when we were first talking, like, Oh, I have this superstition that like when I'm, when I like a girl and then I go and express it to someone like, the next date goes to shit, you know, and yeah, you got to get those formulas out of your head. I do that to myself too, man. Right. But you know, say, the second I open all the way up to them, right. They mm. just take off mm. and that's based on your experience. So it creates a fear and then you create a program and a formula in your head too. Well, but yeah. as that relates to your point though, about keeping the magic between her and I, I feel right. like that wasn't the case with her where like, you know, when I expressed, you know, my love and gratitude for her, even before we were like a, a, a thing, a unit, a, a partnership, you know, it, it didn't jinx it in the way it had in the past. And I think that's because before then it, it hadn't been true, you know, and, and for yeah, the first right, time it was, right. I was making a true statement or a true expression of, of love and, and joy. And, you know, our whole coming together was very synchronistic. I knew her for a couple of years before we actually went out on like a serious date. And, and yeah, it was, yeah, it was, well, yeah, in a way. And, and it was, uh, you know, all at the beginning of this year and then onward from there throughout, through the summer, you know, we've been living together and it, it is, it's definitely magical, but I am really, I, I appreciate that warning. Cause I think that's something that maybe I had been a little yeah, too just, cavalier about. Bro. Yeah, you've got to keep, like, that stuff between y'all two. I mean, I've learned this the hardest way and have had some deep pain in my life from mm. allowing other people to get involved with things they shouldn't get involved with, mm. you know. Like, that type of 
uh, and this just my opinion too, but like romantic love is something that's on a different level, right? It's something that you should protect and take care of. And, uh, there's a true mystical power to it as well, I believe. And it's part of the mysteries. It's not just something that's in a movie or in a book. It's an actual part of the mysteries. Mm. It's here for a purpose, you know? And, um, yeah, once other people's energies gets involved, it causes problems. I'm not saying, like, don't go out, don't do a podcast, but you know what I'm talking about. Right. There are things that have to stay between you and person because it's it's beautiful when you can open up emotionally to somebody like that also and not just have them, like, use it against you and crush you, right? Or, um, for instance, that's what the whole nakedness myth story and archetype is about. When you're naked or you do certain things, I guess you could say sexually or whatever, there's an embarrassment. You don't do that stuff for the public unless you're just a maniac, right? But it's uh, it's basically another person accepting all of you, all of you, right? And that's a sacred thing that you should keep, in my opinion, right? Yeah. I'm not saying I haven't broke that <laughs> in my life. I have, but I've I've learned this. Uh, not by reading books, but from the experience of the beautiful sides of this and the experience of the most painful sides of this in my life, I've learned the truth about that, mm. you know? So it's not a truth that society wants to teach for sure. And it's damn sure not a, a truth that Crowley taught because these kind of guys that, that talk a lot of left-hand past stuff, they're constantly, they do everything based on the mind and logic. Left hand, most left hand pastos does that. It's usually fire, passion, logic, mind. Fire, passion, logic, mind, which is extremely attractive to the feminine energy, but it causes destruction if you stay there because it's imbalanced. At the mm. same time, right. you have to bring the openness, the vulnerability, the emotion, the empress energy into it too, as well, to balance it out. You know, the wow. whole tree thing is amazing. By the way, it's like. There's so much to learn in there. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, thank you for sharing that again. Cause I, I think, you know, one of the goals that we had with this new show, the scene was to give people the kind of tools that we've used to change our lives for the better, you know? And, well, that's and, awesome. and I, I think, you know, in that way we described before the break with like, uh, you know, whatever you put out comes back to you threefold, you know, that, that might not be, you know, everything you want it to be in the sense that like, yeah, there are people who listen, who might listen to even this show and think like something and send some kind of energy my way. And, you know, I think that's like one of the dangers that we face being broadcasters in any shape or form is like, yeah, you do right. put yourself out there for anybody's energy to kind of come, come your way. So I think, you know, one of the things that I like to do is just take things not so seriously and be silly and have fun and like do Protect things yourself on the sly. Yeah. Yeah. And just, and also, you know, take, take it from like a neutral stance too. Like I don't want to make my show all about Crowley, even though that's a fascination of mine, you know, and I just take a neutral stance on that and let certain guests come on and talk about it. If they have something to say about it, you know, and I find that a lot 
more fruitful than going on someone's show like Sam and, you know, with Tim Foyle hat talking about Crowley. You should see the YouTube comments for that. You know, it's a good thing that channel got taken down. I was not behind that at all, but like it definitely benefited me because some of those comments were like mean, man. And that's fine. But, you know, you kind of attract that energy when you talk about someone as dark as Crowley. And I realized that when I did that with Sam, because I think like, hundred thousand people watch that on youtube alone and i was like wow that's crazy you know i'm just a guy who has uh, a a bunch of books on crowley and did like a a month's worth of research on it slapdash research compared to what most people put in who talk about crowley and i had a pretty big impact and brought some things to the light that some guys who go around the circuit talking about crowley they never touch on that stuff they only talk about you know the folk hero lore of Crowley and how he was a mountain climber and he did all these great things with magic and it just it just didn't ring true to what I had read so I wanted to put it out there and from that experience I realized like yeah maybe be uh be yourself but be have boundaries between yourself and the people who listen to the show. Cause I do get a lot of messages and it is cool to inspire people, you know, especially how small my show is right now. Like it's cool. The amount of people that hit me up and say, Hey, I really love the show, but there is an energy of like, you know, I can't be everybody's savior. You got to be your own savior and you got to do shit for yourself. You know, I can't, I can only hear so many people tell me like, Hey, I want to oh start God. my own podcast before I'm like, dude, you know, like just do it, you know, cause I, I, I could help you if you want to be a part of my cooperative, that's great. But you got to do all those pieces first, unless you're like an exceptionally interesting or busy person you know, and you, you can pay somebody to do it for you. You just got to do it yourself, you know, and, and I think that's the part of the magic and creating something. And one of the awesome things about Tara and I getting together is that we can co-create a show together. And, and that's kind of what we've been incubating over the past few months is like, what's our show going to look like? And I think scene is a cool offshoot, but it might evolve into something totally new and, and who knows yeah. what'll come next. But yeah, being uh, very careful about how, you know, guarded we are, boundaries, and also at the same time being honest, authentic, and transparent, you know, and telling people right. how we feel. Uh, but yeah, man, I understand why people go and put up these like membership communities because it's like, you know, you don't want to just spill your heart out to anybody it's nice to have like people who support you and you can like have a more direct relationship with those folks and then be a little more guarded on your free show so i think that's the direction i'm taking my shows and you gotta i think you also gotta Mm. um you also gotta value what you do too right you can't let other people devalue what you do because they have some type of ethical issue with you doing what you love for a living right so that's not your problem, right? Like if they don't value what you do, then they are, in my opinion, energy vampires, right? Because mm. everybody thinks that you owe them free everything. That's just like life. Like you're not entitled to become a rich person. The life doesn't owe you success. Right. It doesn't owe you anything. So if somebody gives you something for free, you should value it, especially their time. Mm. That's the most valuable thing that you have is time. So... Uh, let's see. We got a phone caller. 
Right on. Your buddies calling in to crash the party or what? I can almost maybe. Well, we don't we don't know yet. Let's see. Eight four seven area code. Who are we speaking with? Hold on. Hold on a second. It's Adam. Yeah. Hold on a second, Adam. Let me get you on the air. I got you on the wrong. Uh, now you're on the air. What's up, buddy? Hey, dude. I'm tired of these blood sucking fucking va- or these blood sucking freaking vampires. Which ones? They suck at my energy, taking it dry, and they ain't even let me, you know, ain't giving nothing back. Which ones? Who are you talking about? You got sirens on you, man? Or are you talking about the government? You talking about the corporations? What are we talking about? Nah, dude. Just okay. People you be partying with, buy them drinks, you hook them up, <laughs> and then the next day they act like they don't even know you. Oh yeah, that, well they're there for themselves, bro. That That's sounds it. like that sounds like the guy I was just talking about. Yeah. So how are you doing, Joe? I'm good, man. This is Adam. He'll call in. He's he's just getting into the conversation so he can relate, but he's got a story to tell for sure. How you been, brother? Oh man, I've been grand. I've been grand. It was my birthday the other day. Happy on birthday, September 18th. Heck yeah, I'm 33, brother. Nice, nice. Ooh. Wow. Big shout out yeah. to Chuck Deluxe too. We just missed Chuck's birthday too, so it was the other day. But so you really? you survived. Oh, happy birthday! Chuck. You survived your birthday, Adam. I'm impressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, brother, I'm a mingler. I'm a mingler. So I'm sitting there doing my birthday thing, you know. And my niece's it's her birthday. And they got their, all right, so they're younger, but you know what? They're above 18. So I'm like, hey, girl, what's going on? You know, I'm being a retired weirdo, creepy uncle, whatever. So then I'm mingling. We're going to the pool. It's um the Holiday Inn right here in Elgin. Right. So I'm sitting there hanging out, having a good time. And, dude, I'm a people person. So I meet this guy, and right away he shares his bottle of SoCo with me. So we're sitting there drinking, mingling. it. gave me a couple cigarettes. It was cool. And then yeah. freaking, you know, you know what it turned out to, you know what it turned out to be, dude. Well, I'm man. freaking, I'm like, hey, I'm like, hey, bro, I can make a phone call. He's like, yeah. So I make my phone call. And dude, you know what I'm doing, tweaking and geeking, chicken <laughs> and bacon, dude. So you broke out the white powder, didn't you? Yeah, I told you to stop yeah, doing I that. Can't, I can't resist. I, brother, brother, dude, life is good. And, Why do you always give in to the devil? No, no, well, why, why does it have to be the devil, though? I mean, God is, <laughs> like, I don't know what God is. I'm not sure what it is, but he's blessed me with the ability to, to do be drugs. social, be able to communicate, you know, be able to feel people. Because, dude, I feel something different. So what are we talking? People. Are we Most talking? Be like, hey, we... dude, this guy is a spanker chef. He's dark. Don't talk to him. But I'll be like, hey, dude, this guy's, you know, just hanging on a leaf, you know? I think, co- I think, Adam, Adam. I think cocaine does that to people, though. It makes you a little bit more social, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that is true. That is true. I mean, that's why the drug flourished in the 70s and made a lot of shy people feel good and sociable, you know? What was your your heyday? Oh, uh, early 20s. Early 20s for sure. I was a, I, I was a, no, 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 no. I mean the, the era, like seventies, eighties, early nineties. Oh, I thought you yeah, meant the 1920s, 90s. mid to late nineties. Oh, uh, 
okay. Okay, so then, see, I still, like, got memories. You know, I was a child, we were partying. Well, not we, but, like, my mother would be partying and stuff. So, like, early 90s, I remember, like, the Offspring Smash album. Like, yep. they had, like, five copies of that. So, what was going on in the in the mid-late 90s? Uh, lots of lots of partying, lots of cool music. Uh, a little bit uh, mixed in with a little bit of depression, but depression was cool back then, you know. Yeah, but wasn't that early nineties or no? And that was all the way through wrong. the nineties, man. You know, depression was a cool thing. Hating <laughs> 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 life and depression change? was a cool thing in the nineties for sure. Yeah. Oh man! So you my just, brother Joe, Joe, I just want to call. I want to give my love. Hey, dude, you got a question for our oh. guest, for Mark? Oh, Mark. Hi, Mark. <laughs> what is your last name? Out of what? Out of the two choices that you have there, Palmer or Steve's? <laughs> it's I call him Mark Steve's. Steve's. I actually go by Captain Steve's. Captain Steve's. Yeah, back when I was a wrestler. Oh, shit, you were not a wrestler. I was the captain of my team. A high school team, not college. Dude's like seven foot tall, man. He's the perfect wrestling size. Oh, dude. Well, like carry me on your shoulders. I'm like only like five eight. Did you? I got a I got a question five, for five ten on my tippy You got a question for Adam? Yeah, yeah. Did you say you were in Elgin? Yes, Elgin, Illinois. Ah, oh, okay. Because that's that's a I mean somewhat of a synchronicity. From the Grand Victoria Casino. I was just reading about the Georgia Guidestones, and those are in Elgin County, Georgia. So when you said Elgin, I was like, oh shit, I gotta oh. ask him about this. The synchronicity. Adam, you got to stop drunk dialing the station at night. Man. I can't tell <laughs> what you're saying sometimes. Sorry. Uh, Mike, can you hear me though? Mark, he can hear you. Yeah, yeah. 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 Sorry, guys. I don't mean to ruin you. Oh, you're not. Vibes. You're not. I appreciate you you're calling good. in and saying hi, brother. Hell yeah. Ain't nothing wrong with sharing some love. That's right. I don't care if she's my cousin or not. I'm knocking them boots tonight. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just spoken like a true Arkansan, right? What's up? Oh, man. Like, I'm telling you. Like, I'm telling you. Hey, brother, brother, let me tell you something right now. So I'm What's wearing up? my work pants, and I got the top. So they're button-up pants. You know, like the Cintas. Cintas, the company that makes the dress uniforms mm-hmm. for work. C-I-N-T-A-S. So the button broke off. So these are old pants when I was still doing plumbing. And the button ripped off, but I got a piece of tape on the top. And then I got a piece of, and then I made it into a string, yanked it through the hole, tied it up. I'm like, dude, I'm still wearing these to work. I'm like, hell yeah. That's good, bro. You keep on doing what you're doing, oh, man. Yeah. Oh, brother, dude. The only thing I find anything worth spending anything on nowadays is like things that bring more knowledge. Uh-huh. And I don't know if you've gotten my messages. I'm trying to become an avoid walker because I'm trying to avoid walking. You hadn't figured and out how to become a member I yet? 
Dude, I'm freaking re- Dude, I just lost. I'm texting Ryan right now to try to get my login password because I just bought in September the 5th. I just bought, I renewed my subscription. Uh-huh. I'm a retard. But I'm trying to help you guys out. I swear to God, Illinois, I'm trying to spread the freaking word. I've already just- ordered four of his books. I've twice I've been a subscriber, bro. And and then I don't want to do the Patreon because I'm not going to make a radio show. I think it'd be cool if I just call in and just be like, hey, once in a while, hello. Because there's like the things where he's like, hey, I'll give you a guest spot or I'll say hi or whatever. Uh-huh. And then he's like, then they got like the 30 minute phone call. I'm like, holy shoot, this is like a prostitute. I pay her 50 <laughs> bucks and I get 30 minutes of your time, baby. Well, listen, <laughs> I'll, I'll get, listen. <laughs> I'll get back to you. All right. I don't know. We'll figure this out. I'll get back to you though. Hey, Friday. So Friday is payday. So hit me up Friday. Cause that's the best day to hit me up. All right. We'll do. Hell yeah. Cause dude, I'm tired of sitting there spending my money. Well, I mean, dope is cool, but now dude. Dope is whack. Got no dope for yeah. Okay. You're whacking yourself off. Yeah. Well, listen, oh, like, I'll, I'll listen. I gotta, I gotta, you know, respect the guest that's here with us, but I'm definitely going to, oh, I'll Mark, give you, Mark, 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 sorry. Yeah, Mark's here. Mark, sorry. So I'm going to give you a, a shout Friday for sure, bro. Yes. And let me know. Well, I'm pretty sure. Well, I've, I've sent you emails. I've called you. Next you know, caller. Yeah. Next caller. All right. What, sorry, guys. What's going on? I'll get in touch with you, brother. Thanks for All right, brother. Bye. Adam. He's crazy, man. That guy called in one night and told me the funniest story. I'll, that's probably going to be on the classics of lighting the void for sure. All right. Like he, he, yeah. He was talking about his whole love journey and how he was going across the country. I, I like when he calls in. So anyways, thanks for calling Adam. Um, yeah. So we, we got all types that listen. You never know who's listening, right? It could be a truck driver. It could be some dude that's, you know, on the verge of killing himself. It could be another person having a good time doing cocaine. It could just be a normal person, right? So we're all just people. Anyways, he always throws me off. I think he does it on purpose. But so back to this Tolkien thing, Mark. Mm. You got you to gotta give me the download on this. Yeah. How did you? So tell me your journey with this because I know we cut it off and I didn't want to do that. No, it's all right. Uh, so it connects in a way because I was listening to this Mysterious Universe episode, which I encourage people to go check out so they can get it themselves. But, you know, I'm listening. I'm like, this is reminding me of the box saga because they're talking about Finland and Scandinavia being the places where these textbooks, these old, old books that, you know, Tolkien was reading that inspired him. And then Tolkien, you know, people were, I guess his contemporaries were saying, you know, oh, this is such great fiction, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he would always tell people, no, this is not fiction. This is, this is real. These are real stories. And he stuck by that. And I think that, you know, his message of like the Hobbit, you know, being as small as they are and, you know, this invisible force that helps them, you know, defeat the ultimate evil. I think that's like the, you know, hero's journey sort of archetype, but, it's interesting because then you look at like all these stories of pygmies and giants and different types of humanoid f- 
people that walked the earth that were not what we would consider human, but still, you know, human like, and then that's what this Tolkien book is all about. The Lord of the Rings. And then, you know, the ring being technology and man coveting it. And now, you know, one of the points they made on the show was we're encircled by the ring now. I mean, technology is how we communicate with each other, you know, and, and you can see that like addiction in the character of, uh, you know, what's his name? Smeagol and how he has almost like that Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing going on. Um, That's that's the devil card, bro. mm -hmm. That whole thing represents the archetypal devil card. And also a lot of people talk about the archetypes of Saturn or Saturn. Saturn gets a bad rap, right? Like Saturn, the power of Saturn in the ring, uh, the rule maker, the word no boundaries, things like that. That's what Saturn's good for. But any one of these planetary energies or energies on the tree can be used in a bad way. Even the good ones like mercy and love and all that. You could use all this stuff to a detriment if it's unbalanced, right? But Saturn is the one at the top along with Chokma, right? So there's this, there's this power that just moves and just bows over everything, which is Chokma. And then Saturn makes all the rules, right? Mm-hmm does everything brick by brick, step by step. It's super safe, and but it's also super karmic, too. And it also uh, has, like, the archetype of, I would say that fear is a soldier of Saturn, like the general of Saturn, so to speak. Now, okay, so my, it's, it's pretty crazy to get into, actually. Well, my question is, uh, how much have you looked into like the Saturn mythos that talks about like, I mean, maybe it's not mythos. It's, uh, what's that book? David Talbot, I think is the author, but he writes about how Saturn used to be this sort of, uh, position in the sky, whatever its solar nature was, it was kind of in this, what's called a Birkeland current. And it held all the planets in this sort of gravitational pull. So they would all sort of ellipse in one formation. And from Earth's perspective, it looked like a stairway to heaven, maybe, or another analogy. Read that. That Or even even like the tree of life, you can you can look at it like that. You see all these different spheres in the sky and Saturn, I guess, uh, supernova and exploded, creating Jupiter and um and, you know, it used to be somewhat of like a, a twilight sun. And it's interesting, you know, this topic I've talked about on my show, My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a bunch. Uh, Ari Oselin is one guy who really blew my mind on this topic. He came on the show twice. And uh, obviously David Talbot inspired him and there's others. But this whole electric universe that we're living in, You know, it just seems like that would be the case. And then you consider like animals and how a lot of them seem to be active during twilight, right? Sunrise and sunset. I mean, that's pretty Mm. for a lot of species of animals. I wonder if there's a correlation there to this time when Saturn had this like purple, you know, effect on the sky and maybe made what was daytime look like a dusk or haze or nighttime even twilight and you look in these like ancient fo- uh like paintings you see like the sky always looks like dark in some of these like really like they're when they're trying to depict ancient times they show like a sky that 
doesn't look like what we see today. It's often like almost sepia colored. Maybe that's just the painting materials that they had available. Yeah, are, you, are you saying it has like the Saturnian vibe to it, so to speak? Right, right, right. You can see it. I think that's what I'm getting at here. And then this is all just intuiting this kind of stuff. Like we mentioned at the beginning of the show. Um, but yeah, man, I think there's definitely a lot of truth to the whole electric universe model. And then from there, that holds a lot of the keys to what Saturn and Jupiter are and how they used to be in the sky. And, you know, I'm not someone who is in the flat earth camp necessarily, or in the like, Neil deGrasse Tyson camp, you know, either. I just take all this stuff from like my perspective, but it's interesting. Like when you get into the cosmology, how much uh, layers of information there are, it would make sense that they would have something like a flat earth society to try to propagandize yeah. people from understanding that, you know, and thinking that space wasn't what we thought it was. And then in the reverse, you know, for the people who do just follow the leader, the sheep, you know, they give them this like watered down, you know, soulless version of what space is. And I think, you know, neither are true. It's somewhere in the middle. You know, I think what you're saying is, is spot on, man. And here's the thing. Now, this is kind of why I tell everybody to study as much as they can about the planets. And when I say study, Everybody always asks me too, brother, like, well, what book do I read on about the planets? What book do I read on? And it's like, you need to go experience the planets. All right. Now I'm not saying don't read books on the planets and don't read books on the tree of life. Absolutely. Like I, I get as much knowledge as you can from all that, but go experience them. And I, what I mean by that is if start with the moon and this is what like the golden dawn started people out with when you were a neophyte, they'd make you track the moon do all that stuff. And so you would start to notice the energies, right? You would start to notice the things that happen before you got into like messing with everything else, because you can get, it's one thing. And I, I really believe this in my whole heart, man. It's one thing to know something in your mind, but the biggest communicator and co-creative communication that you have with your higher self in the universe is experience. There's no more hardcore of a teacher than that. So when you learn something, then you have to go test it. And where do you test it? In this big place called life, right? That's what it's for. And I feel like that you're doing this co-creative stuff together. And anytime, dude, you know you're on to something, you'll start feeling this, this the, what's the, the intuitive nostalgia from it, that you're on to something. And that's what I can tell you're doing right now is you need to keep chasing that thing that you're on to specifically and then once you learn it with the universe so to speak then you can share it right and i think that art especially like if you ever have you ever looked at like renaissance art yeah it yeah, looked, yeah it definitely looks like it was meant to be scribed with right it wasn't meant to just look at it and go oh that's a nice piece they put so much symbolism in the art right yeah so you got the vault of adepti i like that so, um, he's showing me pictures, by the way, for y'all listening to audio, but when you look at Renaissance art, say even the Mona Lisa, that was meant to be, you can tell that was meant to be focused on and scribed with the background, the image, like, what is it telling you? What's this weird look with this Mona Lisa that looks kind of like 
a manly woman, right? So it's the blend of the masculine and feminine. And behind her is what? Heat and dryness. It shows like the whole alchemical thing behind her. And when you get deeper into this stuff, you'll start saying, oh, damn, you know, like they were teaching us through their art, right? You could sit in front of them things forever. It's the same thing with the tarot cards. When, the, when they made them in the, when they first made the Rider Waite deck in the Golden Dawn, they designed these things so you could sit in front of them and like really scry with them, not just use them to divine, you know? Mm. Yeah, and this kind of goes back to how I got into this all in the first place. I mean, I was somebody who's like a college dropout, you know, community college. I made the choice, to you know, easy choice to go to like a community college because I wasn't really sure other than anthropology, you know, what I was interested in. So I went there just for that and realized pretty quickly that the books that I had bought on my own were way more interesting than anything I was learning in that community college. And the people I had met in between classes, just roaming around New Haven were way more, you know, of a mentor than anybody who had been working in that community college. So I had just in a really uh, profound way stumbled into all this stuff Uh, And didn't really realize it. Like, I was taking an art history class while I was also reading The Secret History of the World by Mark Booth. And that book is full of full of pictures. It's super interesting. It's very illustrated. Another book specifically on that is uh, this book by Alexander Rube called Alchemy and Mysticism. And all it is, it just takes you through exactly what Joe was just describing the symbolism and all of these different pieces of art. And I think, you know, in a sort of uh, subconscious way, those have an imprint on you. And then, you know, that creates the sort of subconscious fodder that pushes you forward. And, you know, when you mentioned, you know, people asking you, well, what book do I read? I know you weren't really making this point, but what I would want to say to that is like, don't ask somebody what book to read. Ask yourself. And the only place to ask yourself is like in a bookstore. Go to a used bookstore and just stand in the aisles and see what book jumps out to you. And you're going to start to find pieces of information. It might not be that exact book you get first, but it's all going to connect at some point. And like, I'm addicted, dude. You, you can see on the video. Like, I got so many books, man. I mean, I go on Amazon, and I, be, I get stuff ordered to my house, you know. And I, I hope, you know, one of my goals for my podcast is that one day authors will send me their books so then I could, you know, just get them for free and then give them oh, something bro, that, in return, you know. That should, be, that should be happening already. So well, we I appreciate can, we can that. talk later, and I can tell you how to get that to happen. And yeah, I, you know. And, and my old producer, Pacho, I used to tell him, I'm like, listen, if they want to send a book, you take it because I don't have the money to pay you, right? So take the books. And he took a bunch of books, man. So yeah. you could get books from them. But what you just said earlier, too, is um, is pretty fascinating to me because uh, the first book that got me started on my journey was Conversations with God. Mm. Right? And it, that's, a, that's not even a, an occult book, but it opened the doors to everything for me. And I was in Hastings. I don't know if anybody knows about those stores, but they used to have bookstore called Hastings and I literally fell on the floor in front of me when I was in like the, cause I would always, and it was my first time I'd ever looked at the kind of mystic section or whatever. And I felt kind of weird cause I was, I grew up Christian. Like I felt, Oh, this is the weird stuff. Tarot. What's that? And blah, 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 you know, and this book just boom, hit the floor conversations with God book one. 
And when I read it, it literally changed my life. I was living in Little Rock with my buddy Luke, and I was trying to tell him about all this stuff. And he's like, he's a big Christian, but it was blowing his mind too. And he's like, I don't, I don't know what to say to all this. And he's like, but it makes me feel weird. So you do your thing. And I was like, all right. And that's what got started me on my journey. was that book actually. That wow. just, you know, I didn't go say, Hey, what book should I read? It just popped out. And I'm like, wait, some guy said he talked to God. Yeah. You know, I want to, I want to read that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, there were many books that I was reading when I was a kid, but it was all like the kind of standard stuff and like nature, military stuff. So I was kind of all over the place, but I, I liked reading. And then it was Carlos Castaneda's, uh, you know, Don Juan teachings. Oh, yeah. You know, that's a good one. That book in conjunction with um, this friend who had shown me or given me the vortex by Esther Hicks, which was like out of left field for me. And I really took that whole book and all that stuff to heart and kind of found my own way through the law of attraction over the past 10 years. But, you know, I think bibliomancy, you know, is a real thing. And that book, Carlos Castaneda wrote, had a huge impression on everything else I read. Cause even before that was probably like the dragons of Eden or something by Carlo, uh, Carl Sagan, I think. And I didn't even read that book. I just liked the cover and I kind of flipped through it, but I was like, what is this about dragons of Eden? You know? And then that kind of broke through to be like, Hmm, what are, what, how strange can these books get? And I just kept looking oh, and looking, cool. you know, and, and the secret history of the world gave me like a backbone of where to look. Cause that book, if for people who aren't familiar, he starts from, I think Genesis and then goes through the spiritual history yeah. of the world. And it's really fascinating yeah. to see how, you know, what we would consider like an event that was just like, Oh, political or whatever had so many, everything had a spiritual event that preceded it. And all of these figures that we think of as like scientific or political, they had spiritual dimensions to their lives. And, you know, when we get this yeah, watered down version cool. Go ahead. Doesn't his book talk about how we were, we had spiritual bodies that grew flesh, so to speak. Mm. And we evolved into flesh bodies, I believe, if I remember that book. Well, correctly. I think what you're touching on is the sort of um, alchemical perception of our different bodies, our esoteric bodies, the mineral, vegetable, animal, right. and then yeah, stellar body. And he talks about like, it almost was like, the planet was all gaseous and like the beings on this planet had like almost an ethereal gas body. And this was like the beginning, beginning before Hyperborea, before Lemuria, before that, you know, and this That's is so crazy that you say that because Samuel and Vior talks about how we have, and I don't know if he's telling the truth or not, but how we have beings in our own solar system right now on these planets, but they're not, we don't perceive them as life because they're gaseous. They're mm. different types of beings oh, that yeah. we don't understand oh, yeah. yet. So well, well, we got a caller here. It looks like 505 area code. You're on the air with Mark from my family. Thinks I'm crazy. Who are we speaking with? Uh, this is Beaver. How's it going, y'all? What's up, Beaver? Not much. Uh, uh, do y'all know of Dr. Anthony Peratt and his uh, uh, plasma experiments? Dr. Anthony Perrette and his plasma experience. I don't think so. I don't know. No. 
Haven't heard of it. Uh, uh, um, uh, kudos on uh, uh, and shout outs on uh, you, you talking about the electric plasma universe. Um, Dr. Anthony Peratt's work is uh, 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 pretty much all about that. And he makes a connection with uh, petroglyphs and plasma discharges that they've done in labs. And they believe that it's a connection with uh, the sun uh, novae. So Anthony L. Perret is an American physicist whose most notable achievements have been in plasma discharge petroglyphs, plasma physics, nuclear fission, and the monitoring of nuclear weapons. That sounds like an interesting read for sure, that guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so he's actually done some deep laboratory work too. Well, that's pretty cool, man. Thanks for... Uh, Thanks for telling us about that. That reminds me of uh, that reminds me of no Eric problem. Eric P. Dollard, who's been on uh, Greg Carlwood's show a couple times, and and yeah, that's uh, that's definitely a huge fascination of mine. All these like guy characters who have these like fringe labs out in the periphery of science, doing experiments that you know yeah. won't get yeah. published in these mainstream articles, but. Beaver, I just wanted to point out that uh, you have a very interesting name. I didn't. Yeah, yeah, he does. I love it. Right. I wanted to. I wanted to point <laughs> out like a spiritual aspect of the of a beaver. I'm looking in my animals book right now. Did we talk about this the last time you called Beaver? I think with Mary. Uh, not not uh not on this uh, not not in this uh aspect or angle. No. Okay, go ahead, Mark. Well, I'll say that. The beaver can teach you about stability, balance, tradition, true value, adaptability with the environment, healing, affection, tenacity, hard work, and self-reliance. So I don't know how much that means to you, but according to Sunbear, that is the uh, energy of the beaver. Nice. I like beavers. Dude, dude, you got like an automatic uh, nail hammer going right now or something? <laughs> No. In other words, you synchroed with him pretty hard, right? So, <laughs> well, what? Let me ask you this to double yeah, yeah, the synchro. Yeah, yeah. That, that was that, that. Let's see if we could double it. When's your birthday? Uh, January thirteenth, nineteen eighty six. All right. Well, so that that wouldn't be the Beaver Moon, but you were born under the. You said January what now? Thirteenth. Oh, the snow goose. You're, you got the snow goose moon, brother. And the Native American zodiac, your snow goose. What does it mean, cool. Mark? Uh, I'm going to. You can't just leave him with snow goose. Oh, I, 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 oh I'm, I'm going <laughs> to like look this up uh, Look this up when we get off the phone. Well, <laughs> you know, I don't want to. I don't want to insult anybody because this is you, just sunbury. You, good... you too, bro. You're not insulting anybody, you. Mark. We love you, man. You're good to go. No, I know, I was but born I born on April first. What what is mine? Ooh, let me tell you. Hold on. But just I gotta I gotta find out. Just so get a bunch of callers now. Oh God, do they all want me to tell them their their animals? Divining people's names and telling their story, dude. They'll call in like crazy. Well, he's a beaver, so that was that was awesome. I mean, shout out to Beaver, but yeah, if he wants to get more info on the snow goose, then he needs to go. Check out, uh, check out the Dancing with the Wheel, the Medicine Wheel Workbook by Sunbear, Wabunwind, 
and chrysalis mulligan. But, uh, but yeah, some things about the snow goose. You can be a clear receiver and transmitter of universal energy. So these people born under the snow goose moon are great communicators. So that's awesome that there he called go, in. <laughs> right on. So, all right, what's uh, what's mine? You got to tell me. What's your birthday? April the 1st. Let's see. Let's see what they say. April the 1st. You are a Red Hawk, my friend. I love that. Well, That's Red so Hawk. cool. Red Hawk's a huge synchro for me. And actually, the Grimerica show even you know more so. Uh, Graham and I were just talking about that when he was on my show. But, yeah, brother, you can uh, teach people about the need for water, the emotions in tempering their fiery energy. Wow. Is that not spot on <laughs> to what yep, you said before yep. about cancer energy? I don't know if that was on the air or not, but yeah. Wow. That's, I mean, that's just one little thing out of this book, but people you get, Oh, it's also called the budding trees moon. So it's not just the energy of the red Hawk, but each moon has a, you know, a different, different name, kind of seasonal name and, yeah, man, you got the energy of intensity, catalyzing change, fearlessness, and optimism. And you have leadership ability. You'll be shown the enormity of your own spirit and the extent of your clear-sightedness. You need to learn to channel your energies and contain your emotions and be more patient with others. Oh, yeah, that's definitely <laughs> that's definitely my stuff for real, man. Yeah, man. Well, I, we get out of here, dude, so... You know, Ryan Gable's coming on, man. We could, we need to do this again at some point. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I know this is super late now for you, but whatever. We need to talk again, so. Right on. I love this. This was a blast. And for all those listening, bless you and wherever you are in the now. I mean, I usually say that on my podcast because you never know when people are going to listen to it. But I guess, you know, this is live. So let's all set our intentions to have a great great libra season it's uh my birthday season my birthday's coming up so show me some love support the my family thinks some crazy podcast and check out all the awesome interviews we've done plug away <laughs> thank you thank you yeah and we also have a new show that i just started with michael wan who we did mention it's called your handbook for the apocalypse and you can find that on his podcast feed called Susquehanna Alchemy. That's S-U-S-Q-U-E-H-A-N-N-A Alchemy. And uh, he's got a YouTube channel, a lot of great content there already. And we're going to be doing a show every Wednesday uh, called Your Handbook for the Apocalypse, where we get into a lot of the stuff we talked about here and, and much more. All right, brother. It was This was one of the coolest conversations I've had in a while, so thanks for coming on. Anytime. Go check out the website. Go check out the podcast. My family thinks I'm crazy. We'll be back tomorrow night with Jeff Harmon. Coming up next is Ryan Gable, The Secret Teachings. The show he's doing tonight is called Intelligent Evil Dust Bunnies. <laughs> Sweeter. Ryan's always killing it with those uh, crazy titles. Yeah, I can't imagine what the dust bunnies are up to.